Thank you for joining us for another Core Documents Collection editor interview. Today we've got Dr. Jason Stevens of Ashland University, who's the editor for our now-released volume on the causes of the Civil War. And like we have with previous volumes, we're going to talk to him about his overall approach to the subject and his work, his document selections, some ideas about how you can best engage with and work your way through this volume, uh, and anything else that comes up as well. So Jason, um, if you could take a moment, as I said, you are a, um, you're a professor of political science at Ashland University. Uh, if you could do me a favor and give us a little bit of your background and maybe talk about how you came to how you came to be the editor for this volume in our, our core documents collections. Yeah, sure thing, Jeremy. Um, like you said, I'm a visiting assistant professor of political science at Ashland University in Ashland, Ohio. Um, I'm also uh, the, uh, the co-director of the Ashbrook Scholar Program. Uh, I, uh, I received my BA. I did my undergrad at Ashland University. Uh, right, so I've now sort of I've come back home, so to speak. Uh, I uh, got my MA and my PhD uh, at the University of Dallas. All right. Um, and what uh, before we actually get into the questions that I've asked every editor, what what drew you or draws you as a political scientist to the the Civil War? Yeah, I um, when I was an undergrad, uh, Dr. Peter Tram was the first one who sort of sparked my interest in, in the Civil War, and in particular the, the statesmanship of Abraham Lincoln. I ended up writing my, my senior thesis on Abraham Lincoln's understanding of the nature of the Union, and uh, Dr. Schramm was my advisor for that project. I went to, uh, to grad school, and I continued to study Lincoln in the Civil War with, uh, with Dr. Glenn Thoreau and, uh, and others at the University of Dallas. And in part, my, my dissertation uh, was on the, the statesmanship of, of Abraham Lincoln. All right, so this is a, this is a subject that I've, I've spent most of my um, professional career uh, studying and developing. That's excellent. That's excellent. I didn't know that. That's, that's interesting mm -hmm. to me. Now, before we get into the volume, if you're listening to this interview, this is the first of these core documents collections videos that, that, or interviews that you've listened to. I want to make sure you understand what makes these – collections of documents different from just a book full of documents. Each of our core documents volumes is organized in the same manner. There is a general editor's introduction at the beginning, which is about a page and a half, which talks about our, our ideas behind and hopes for this whole series. There is then a usually about four to five page introduction to the topic written by the volume editor. So Jason has written a, an introduction to the causes of the Civil War. It's about four or five pages long. When you download this copy or you get a paper copy of this volume, do not skip the editor's introduction because the editor's introduction does a, a, a really – I've seen all of these and they do a brilliant job of introducing or in a way reintroducing you to a topic that you already know something about. You've taught history. You've taught government. You have an idea about the causes of the Civil War, but maybe not through such a collection of documents that are going to follow in that volume. And what our editors do is they, they, they tell the, the – call it the 30,000-foot view story of this topic. But in, in doing this, they also cite the documents that are going – that are in the volume. So they're going to introduce you to a whole series of documents, many of which that you, you may not be familiar with. 
and then connect them to the knowledge you already have about this topic. So they're really th- these these introductions I found to be really informative and interesting from a standpoint of a, a reader and a student of history, but as a way to to launch you into a documents-based study of the topic, they're really outstanding. Each of the documents is then preceded by a short introduction or summary rather, which not so much does it, it doesn't summarize the document as so much as it, it contextualizes where it fits into the like the you know where does this puzzle piece fit into the bigger picture? Um, at the back of the volume is a thematic table of contents which rearranges the documents in the volume along thematic lines, so not necessarily chronologically. There is then a set of study questions. There are several questions grouped into two blocks for each um, each question or each document. And then finally, there is a list of suggested supplemental readings, and these are the only places where you see some secondary histories um, introduced. So each of the volumes have all of these things in them, and uh, you know, and 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 based around this this collection of documents for the topic. Um, remember that the PDF is free, the iTunes ebook is free, uh, the Kindle is ninety nine cents. And the uh, print-on-demand you can order directly from Amazon. The links to all of those are in the uh, the post that this um, this interview is embedded in. So, after making sure that you're all clear on that, let's get to the interview itself. So, Jason, my first question, as I've asked of all of our our editors, is why study this topic in depth. Forget about documents. Why study the causes of the Civil War? I mean, couldn't you sum it up by saying, well, it was all states' rights or it was all slavery? Why peel back the layers and take time to study the causes of the Civil War in depth? What's the value in that to a student or teacher? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Jeremy. I think, so why why study the causes of the Civil War? Um, Why study the Civil War? If you're going to take the Civil War seriously, you need to take understanding the causes of that conflict. In fact, you can't understand the Civil War without understanding the causes of the Civil War. And I think this is something that, right, it's right, that's clear, uh, that's precise, but I think oftentimes we, we forget this, right? We as teachers um, of American history and government sometimes forget that right, we can't just jump right on into a subject, even though at times, right, with the curriculum being the way it is, we feel hard-pressed to right, keep up a, a certain pace, and especially when Lincoln has to be dead by Christmas, as they say, <laughs> um, you, have to, you have to keep things moving. But what I'm trying to do here in this volume is to try to slow things down a bit. Not too, not too much, not too much, but just to the extent that we and our students can take a step back and say, okay, what, is the, what are the larger issues here? What are the underlying causes? of the conflict that we know is it's coming up that we, but we just can't jump from the American founding to the civil war, or we can't just jump from the American founding to the war of 1812, the era of good feelings. And then we're on to the civil war that there is a critical period a 40, more than 40 year period between roughly 1819, which is, um, the time of the, the first document in this collection, a little known congressional speech by James Talmadge, up until Lincoln delivers his first inaugural address in March of 1861 on the precipice of civil war. There's a lot going on there. And our textbooks and a lot of times our classrooms skip over that period. This collection hopefully will will encourage us to, to slow down. Okay. 
All right, I can accept that. Um, now, why, why use documents to study this? How does this enhance this particular topic in American history? Yeah, that's, a, that's another good question. So um, at Teaching American History and the Ashbrook Center, clearly we don't rely upon textbooks to tell American story. Why? Because they're all boring and sometimes they're wrong. Uh, this, in particular, is a is a subject that the the textbooks I think struggle with explaining, um, for you know for a myriad of reasons. And so to to try to eliminate that confusion, our response is or our solution is to go to the documents. What what does the text say? In other words, um, and so we look at I think there are twenty six documents in the collection. Right, we look at studying and learning from the words, the actions of the people who are actually living this history, those who are actually going through it, um, and not just living it, but in many uh, ways leading it. Right? So we look at uh, individuals like uh, Henry Clay, John C. Calhoun, uh, Daniel Webster, Stephen Douglas, the greater Douglas, Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and others. Um, to tell us this story of American history in a way that textbooks can't. Because even the very best textbooks out there, and there are some good textbooks, don't get me wrong, um, provide a filter between you and the thing you're trying to study. Right? Our solution is get rid of that filter. Right? Why, why trust some professor, some Harvard professor, to tell you how to think about Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War, for instance, instead of just reading Abraham Lincoln? Right. Even as an editor of this document, I try to you know, keep myself out of it as much as possible. Right. The focus is the documents and it always will be. Speaking about the documents, you said there are 26. Is that what you said? I think that's right. Yes. 26 uh, core documents on the causes of the Civil War. OK. What guided your selection of these? So did you have like did you approach this work having a certain kind of narrative or a certain approach that you wanted to – Establish, and so you chose documents to meet that, or did you have, I um, mean, you know, a certain kind of viewpoint that you wanted, or, or a series of different viewpoints that you wanted to make sure were represented? So that was a was a lens or filter through which you, you know, how did you go about selecting these? <laughs> yeah, um, even the the title itself um, is is a bit strange. That is, causes of the Civil War. Right? My reaction and the reaction of, of many would be. What are you talking about? What do you mean causes of the Civil War? Wasn't there only one cause of the Civil War? Slavery? And my answer to, to that objection is, yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. There is only one cause of the Civil War, slavery. Um, but that is not to say that, the, right, that answering the question of what caused the Civil War is as easy as that single word, slavery. The reason why the the title of the book cites causes is that uh, in selecting these documents, I looked at the particular political, moral, um, social, economical, those issues that were at the heart of the lead up to the civil war at the political, moral, economic, social causes of the civil war when we look at those documents, we find they all go, they still all go back to slavery. They're all related to slavery in, in one way or another. So, for instance, 
right? You mentioned earlier the the, uh, the old states' rights doctrine. Yes, the Civil War was about states' rights, but the right of states to do what? To hold other men as property, right? Um, and in fact, you see that through right through these these different all of these different documents that yeah the 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 focus may change from political to economic to moral to social um but at the heart of all of those lies all right how are we responding to this to this crisis of slavery in the united states okay so so you're you're saying slavery is it but slavery manifests or is understood differently is reacted to and 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 conceptualized differently through these different angles and in a way you could view those as distinct but re- distinct categories of cause. Is that is that yes. what you're okay? Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, and so the the documents deal with uh, you know constitutional issues, political issues, economic issues, moral, social issues, right. um, all of which have a part to play, right, in understanding the causes of the civil war. But when you you study those documents and you 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 really get to the heart of them, you find that they're all related in in a very fundamental way to how are we going to right go forward as a nation um, in regards to right answering this this question, are all men created equal? Right. And that's right. I mean, that's what the the slavery controversy is all about. It's fascinating too because you're you're taking something that that unfolded over a period, as you said, decades and is, you know, uh, uh, from the, from a, from an outward view is, you know, could be pretty complex because there are so many different variables that, that unfolded over different periods of time. But then there is this, there is this single crux of it, which is slavery. So everything can be threaded through or comes back to slavery, which I think if, if maybe if teachers keep that in mind as they read through this or and think about how they're going to teach it, that will that that helps form a, a, a common foundation, regardless of whether you're talking about the 1820s or the 1850s. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Especially um, right the the old um, the old and tired refrain that you'll you'll hear on this topic so often is that the Civil War had nothing to do with slavery. Um, I think this document collection goes a long way in, in right, responding to, to that view because for this reason, not for anything that I've said, but for what we actually see, right, those in the South leading the secession charge, what we see them say, mm-hmm. right? So, for instance, the articles of secession from the, the southern states that claim to have left the Union and, and have seceded, almost all of them. Right, center their focus on slavery as the primary reason why they they are leaving the union. Um, so, for example, in the uh, in the the core docs book, you have the articles of secession from South Carolina, right, the first state to secede. And through that entire document, just again and again and again, South Carolina reiterates, "We are leaving the union because of slavery, because we seek to protect slavery." And Something else I learned while going through this this collection was going through those different articles of secession of all the states that claim to have left the Union. Not all of them say slavery is the reason, but the ones who don't say that are the ones where they basically just give us a couple of sentences, an official declaration, where basically they say we're leaving the Union, bye-bye. They don't actually even seek to, to explain why. They're just sort of declaring it so. But all of them, all of them um, – 
fail to mention anything about human equality. Right? A lot of these state articles of secession will bring in parts of the declaration that they like and they think justify right, their, their current stand. Um, so they love to bring in the part about um, right, the, the consent of the governed and right, the right of the people to destroy or alter an abusive or tyrannical government. Uh, they love to talk about preserving liberty, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, and many of the articles of secession cite the Declaration, but not one of them, not one of them cites the line from the Declaration that says all men are created equal. Interesting. Interesting. All right. This is this next the, question. Is, this next question is no, the no, one that I'm going to back you into a corner. I'm just warning right. you. All right. This is the Let's one. That, this is the one that always annoys the uh, the editors. What single? What is the single most important document? in this collection and you, you can only pick one. Now you do yeah, get to define tough. what's important. I mean, what is, what, is, what do you mean by important, but what is in your opinion, the, most, the single most important document, the, the document that you would not want people to miss mm-hmm. if they were to get this volume. Yeah. Um, I would say the single most important document in this volume goes back to the single most important individual in this volume, and that's Abraham Lincoln. It's not to say, of course, that Lincoln caused the Civil War, but that is to say and mean is that Lincoln was the indispensable man. In this collection, there are a lot of speeches from from Lincoln. We've got the House Divided speech, the Peoria Address, um, but I think the most important document that we have from Lincoln is his first inaugural address, which is the final document in the collection. So, and I think that's the most important one because Lincoln lays out there the causes of um, the Civil War and why the Union is worth preserving and why responsibility for initiating Civil War rests squarely on the, the shoulders of the South. In fact, even beyond that, because if we're, if we're to think about right, the effectiveness of Lincoln's first inaugural address in terms of his primary mission in delivering it, in other words, to try to prevent the South from seceding. If we judge its merit based on that, we must conclude that the speech is a complete failure because, of course, it it doesn't convince the South to hold off on secession. Civil war still comes. But it's also in this speech, which is, um, you know, why it's, it's, it's worth reading carefully. At the very end, right, Lincoln just delivered some, some sage advice, not just for the moment, not just for that time, but for all time, right? Just this is this is the very last paragraph of the very last document in this collection. Lincoln says this: "I am loath to close. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memory, stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land." will yet swell the chorus of the Union when again touched, as surely they will be, by the better angels of our nature. So Lincoln concludes this speech, and this volume is concluded by an appeal, with an appeal to the better angels of our nature. Wow. What better advice could you ask for? Yeah. So 
hopefully everyone listening, regardless of how much of the volume they read when they download or get it, they will definitely read that last document. They'll definitely read the uh, Lincoln's first inaugural. Where do you recommend someone starts? If it's not the first document, which document you say, this is where you should start, and here's why. This is the best springboard into the collection. Yeah, that's another great question. Um, I'm going to say a document that a lot of people probably are unfamiliar with. Right? We're familiar with Lincoln's first inaugural. Sure. We're familiar with the House Divided Speech. Um, Abraham Lincoln's Fragment on Constitution and Union. Which is another, which is another piece uh, of of Lincoln's that that makes a, an appearance here in the collection. It's really, really short. I mean, it's less than a page long. It's just a right a, a couple of short paragraphs. Um, but in that document, Lincoln talks about the relationship between the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Lincoln talks about the the Constitution and the Union as a frame of silver, as a frame of silver around that golden apple of the Declaration of Independence, and in particular, its, principle of, its principles of liberty and equality. Keep in mind, it was that relationship between the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence right, that was disputed and argued about and debated in that 40-year period leading up to the Civil War. And in fact, the causes of the Civil War, I think, understanding the causes of the Civil War are, is wrapped up and how we understand that relationship between the Constitution and the Declaration. Lincoln has a particular understanding of that that comes out crystal clear in this fragment. Fred Douglas shares with Lincoln that understanding. But that understanding is disputed among many. Uh, John C. Calhoun and George Fitzhugh say that the founders really believed all men are created equal. But Calhoun and Fitzhugh, they, they reject that. They say the founders were wrong. Um, William Lloyd Garrison, right, the, the abolitionist, says that the, the founders didn't really believe that all men are created equal because they made a pact with the devil in signing that constitution, made compromises with slavery. Uh, and therefore, according to Garrison, we ought to let the constitution in the House, the Union, fall. Um, then you have others like uh, Roger Taney. Roger Taney, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who authors the infamous Dred Scott decision, which is also in the, the document collection, he asserts, and, and uh, Stephen A. Douglas, the lesser Douglas, joins him in arguing, essentially, that the founders, when they said all men are created equal in the Declaration of Independence, they didn't really mean all men. They only meant all white men. And Lincoln points out, of course, that Taney is the first person and Stephen Douglas the second to... Uh, to read the American founding, to read the Declaration of Independence in such a way. So coming back to the fragment of Lincoln's, just a short essential piece that really gets to the heart, not just of the causes of the Civil War, right, but really sort of drops you down into, into the mind of Abraham Lincoln and you begin to see in such a clear way through his use of, of language, Lincoln's use of language, how he understood the proper relationship between America's two great founding documents. And I think also this is a, a, a piece that um, not many of our students are familiar with, but when you put it in front of them and you read it out loud and you, you talk about it together, they get it. They get it. This is, this is a document that um, is accessible and clear and profound. 
It's it's beautifully worded, and it, it's amazing how much how much you can clearly connect to it and build up on it from such a a small collection of words, and yet it it in in and of itself is so incredibly clear. All right, that's a I love that one, and I always push that on people. By the way, whenever I give away copies of our original fifty core American documents, I always bookmark Lincoln's fragment, and I say, "I'll give you this book if you read this." Um, because of that, because of the power in the words. Um, yeah. All right, so that that's great. So we know we don't want to miss Lincoln's first inaugural, but you should start with his fragment. I like that. Now, in 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 doing this, and you already mentioned something about uh, what you learned by by doing this. What would you say, if anything, did you learn yourself by preparing this volume? What did you come away with it? Did you expect to? Was it a surprise? What did you come away different? Uh, about yeah. a- after having done this, I'll tell you at the at the end of the process, I was most surprised right by this fact: how hard it was to limit myself to just those twenty six documents trying to explain the causes of the Civil War. Right when I first started, I thought there's no way I'm gonna you know gonna need twenty six documents. Right, I, and it can't possibly need that many to tell the story. But by the end, right, I was itching to add more. And I would have loved to have added uh, selections from Uncle Tom's Cabin or Harry Beecher Stowe's uh, novel. Um, I would have loved to have added more of the uh, the articles of secession from the various states, especially Mississippi, uh, which lays out in just such a crystal clear way. Um, Mississippi says we identify our cause with the cause of slavery. Right? Removing clear. any doubt that this war is about slavery. And so I would have loved to include right, Mississippi's um, Declaration of Secession alongside South Carolinans and, and maybe some other um, of those, uh, those state articles of secession. Uh, I would have liked to have included uh, other, uh, other speeches from after Lincoln's first inaugural address, for instance, Alexander Stevenson's Cornerstone Address, mm-hmm. uh, where, again, he very clearly states that right, the reason for this civil war, the cornerstone of the new southern government, is based on the truth that all men are not created equal, right? Again, sort of seeing right that even the, right, the Southerners are all claiming that the cause of this conflict is slavery. Um, but I, the reason why we didn't include Stevens was that um, this uh, volume is actually the second of a trilogy because Reconstruction has already appeared. Now we have causes of the Civil War. Uh, finally, we will wrap up the trilogy with another core document volume on the Civil War. Um, we're doing it a little out of order. It's all right. Um, but uh, but the, the point is that um, there were a lot of documents I would have liked to have used in the causes volume that we said to ourselves, we need to hold off on that because we're going to use that in the Civil War collection. And they're probably better suited to that collection than this one anyways. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. Well... Thank you. Uh, thank you first for your time today. Um, thank you for the, the work that you put into this volume. I'm really excited to get my hands on, on a copy of it. Um, remember to everyone listening, again, you can download the PDF version of the, the volume for free, and you can distribute that to your students for free as well. You can post it on, uh, if you have a class website or something like that, uh, or a, you know something along those lines, you can use it in that respect. You can distribute it electronically to them, and that's fine by us. If you use any kind of iOS devices, you can 
get a, a free ebook copy from the iTunes store. Um, Amazon Print on Demand is available. Again, there's a link in the post where this podcast is embedded. And um, and then Kindle, you can get you can get a Kindle version of it for 99 cents directly from Amazon. Um, so, Jason, thanks again for the work. Uh, teachers, thank you for listening. We will have more of these editor interviews in the future as we publish more of these volumes. And we hope that they are helpful to you in your classroom. Have a great rest of your year and you too, Jason. Thanks, Jeremy.